The Lenovo Duet is Lenovo's latest two-in-one Chromebook convertible, and I've been testing it out for the past several months, so it's time to share some thoughts. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we're taking a look at the latest Duet Chromebook convertible from Lenovo, confusingly called the Duet 5. The original Duet was such a win in my book that I very much wanted to get my hands on it. Chrome OS? Snapdragon? Yes, please. So how did it all work out? Cliff comes by to chat about it. Plus, we've got a cool tech yeah item if you happen to be 14 years old, or to be fair, have a 14-year-old child. It's a set of strip lights from Govi. The moral of this tech, yeah, is, isn't really about the strip lights. It's about Govi. So pay attention because you're going to hear more about them in the future. In fact, I think I might have already talked about them once, but that's neither here nor there. What is here is the fact that we still have to do the news of the week. <laughs> Google is famous for its mostly empty homepage. You go to Google, you get a search bar and a Google Doodle, and that's basically it. Honestly, back in the day, that was one of the things that most people liked about Google. It was unobtrusive, and it had a single purpose. Well, if you know anything about this podcast, you probably know where I'm going with this, and thank you for listening, by the way. 9to5Google reports that Google may be testing a bit of a redesign to the Google homepage, and by redesign, I mean redesigning a Porsche into a Toyota Camry. Google is experimenting with putting cards along the bottom of the Google search page. 9to5Google reports that Google added weather, trending searches, local events, COVID news, what to watch, and stocks. And once again, if you know anything about this show, you know I have issues with one or two of those. First of all, trending searches? Does anybody go to Google and think to themselves, hmm, I wonder what I should search for? No, Google, by the time they get to Google, they've already decided what they want to search for. You know how I know? Your name is a verb. And stocks? Jesus, trust me, nobody wants to look at stocks these days. I still have nightmares. But more importantly, I really don't want Google to turn into Yahoo or MSN Live or anything else distracting. I have enough trouble with my undiagnosed ADD staying on task, and you want to throw in a row of distractions on a page I'm going to to accomplish a task? Do you know how many Dua Lipa stories I've read going to MSN as my homepage? I don't even know who Dua Lipa is or why I haven't changed my homepage for that matter. I really should change it to Google, except, wait, that's not going to work anymore. Okay, fine, I will learn who Dua Lipa is. Is. And I think that's the moral of this news story. This next story is a bit mind-boggling, and spoiler alert, Cliff and I are going to get into this on the next Doubting Thomas because there's way more story here than can be covered in a minute-long story right here. The BBC reports that a company in England recruited and hired dozens of people from around the world to work from home during the pandemic. That's not weird. The weird part is that the company called Madburn Design Agency didn't exist. Now, you're probably confused, and that's fair. Now, Madbird was the brainchild of Ali Ayad, an Instagram influencer who ran this, air quotes, company. The fake company had a board of directors, LinkedIn profiles, the whole shebang. But most of it was fake. 
LinkedIn profiles were fake, Zoom accounts were fake, just about everything was fake except for the poor people who were hired to work for this company. And now you might be thinking to yourself, but Adam, if they were working and getting paid, what's the problem? Well, see, yeah, they weren't getting paid. Each of the employees agreed to work for a commission only for the first six months. They make a sale, they get paid. Well, it's kind of hard to make a sale for a company that doesn't exist. The point is that there's a lot more to this story, and it is crazy. But it's not as crazy as you think when you consider the world we live in. Something like this is entirely possible. Shady AF, but entirely possible. You'll remember a couple weeks ago, I reported that Onward Mobility, the company that was trying to revive the BlackBerry brand, lost the rights to the BlackBerry name, and they were in a bit of a limbo about what to do about that. And you'll also recall that I said if you're going to make a good phone, it doesn't matter what name is on it. If you're going to make a bad phone and count on the nostalgia to sell phones, that's a terrible idea. Well, I guess Onward Mobility was making a bad phone because they announced this week that they would cease operations effective immediately, and that just sucks. Seriously, though, this was never going to be anything but an uphill climb. All the BlackBerry name did was give people some happy feels. And let's face it, the only way Onward Mobility or any other phone manufacturer not named Samsung or Apple or really any of the known brands, the only way that they're going to succeed is by making an amazing phone and honestly probably selling the first one or two generations at a loss. At the end of the day, there are too many established brands out there to pick from, so it's damn near impossible to cut into the market as a noob. Sounds bleak, I know, but think about the last company to do that. It was OnePlus, and that was before they acknowledged that Oppo did all of their R&D for them. So while I'm sad that Onward Mobility fell short, I'm not terribly surprised. They might have made a nice phone, but based on how quickly they pulled the plug, they actually probably weren't. You might remember Amazon Astro, the little puppy robot with a screen that can follow you around and sell you stuff from Amazon? Well, it turns out that some people might have actually bought these things, and Amazon's actually shipping them. People are posting YouTube videos of Astro in action, and... I'll be damned, it's actually really cute. It listens to audible commands, which is more than I can say for my kids or my dogs. It's able to locate certain rooms in my house on command, which is definitely more than I can say for my dogs. And it can even bring you a drink, which is definitely, definitely more than I can say for my kids or my dogs. Hey, honey! Any chance we can sell the kids and the dogs and get an Amazon Astro? No. Uh, it's the little dog thing from Amazon. No, never mind. She says we can't sell the kids because we haven't finished off paying the bank, and yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, this little dude just rolls around your house and can recognize faces, and if you're starting to get some Amazon Deep State vibes here, yeah, I feel ya, but it's cute, so, though, so you're like, oh, you're surveilling my entire house for Jeff Bezos, aren't you? Aren't you? Oh, you're such a good boy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Are you gonna tell Bezos when I run out of laundry detergent? Oh, yes, you are, you cute little doggy. And yes, this means Amazon will have detailed images of the inside of your house, but he's just so cute. Yes, you are. You're so cute. If you're a gamer, you're probably familiar with the concept of modding. It's a tradition about as old as electronic games themselves. With a little coding and a little hackery, you can make a game do just about anything you want. Infinite money? No problem. Infinite lives? You betcha. Lightsabers instead of swords? Oh yeah, buddy. You name it, you can do it. 
Except on Android games. Those have historically been harder to mod until now. Bluestacks launched Creator Studio in which you can mod your favorite Android games like adding an Instagram filter to the entire game screen, all the way to changing outfits and textures in the game. Looks like Infinite Lives and Infinite Money might come later, but for now you can do pretty much anything else. And I guess that's fine. I'm not a modder, but then again I'm not a gamer, so I guess there's no surprise there. But seriously, I don't want to micromanage my games. Games have you know, designers and programmers and story developers and all these people that worked really hard to put all that together in one package. Who am I to come along and say, Nah, bro, I don't like the shade of purple. I'm going to make it blue. Huh? No, no gross. If there's anything that I'm aware of about myself, it's that I have no taste, so I should not be allowed to mod anything. And plus, a message to modders, if you're going to mod infinite lives or infinite money, what's the point in playing the game? Just think about that. The challenge is in surviving and earning money. If you mod it, you're not really playing the game. You're just playing God, which I guess has its appeal, but that's not for me. When T-Mobile bought Sprint, a new company had to play the part of crappy little fourth carrier in order to appease the FCC. That crappy company is Dish Network, who for some damn reason decided that selling Dish TV wasn't enough and they wanted to sell smartphones too. Okie dokie. Well, it turns out that building out a carrier network is hard, and really just who could have seen that coming, right? Dish Network had its Q4 earnings call this week and announced that things are going great. Where the network works, it's really solid. The trouble is, there are a lot of places where it doesn't work or, <clears throat> excuse me, isn't optimized. Right. I have a 2005 Pontiac on my driveway that hasn't moved in the last 18 months because it's not optimized. Anyway, the FCC gave Dish Network a deadline of June 2022, which is, um, yeah, four months away, to cover 20% of the population in coverage. That's probably not going to happen, even though Dish Network says it's totally going to happen. After that, Dish will expand its network to 25 major metro markets across the U.S. in an effort to cover 70% of the population by 2023. Okay, good luck with that, Dish Network. And just as an FYI, Dish, people like their phones to work in between major metropolitan areas, too. So don't think you're almost done here, because you're really, really not. HTC has been trying to figure out this VR stuff for a while. After taking an early and very promising lead in the VR space back in the days it was still making phones, so yeah, it was a while ago. But since that early lead, Meta, the artist formerly known as Facebook, has sucked up all the market share. So HTC has had to pivot, and boy howdy, did it pivot. So HTC wants to use its brand new HTC Vive Flow goggle looking things to turn car rides into roller coaster rides. Seriously. As Andy Zahn at Digital Trends points out, VR roller coasters have been a staple in the VR playbook since the first headset, but there hasn't been any actual motion to give you that next level of experience. So let's put people in VR headsets in a car. Not the driver, of course. Not the driver. Relax. But passengers can throw on a set of goggles and find themselves on a roller coaster, which will definitely complete the illusion, except for the fact that cars drive straight and roller coasters, you know, 
don't, or at least not the roller coasters I like. So, fine, a roller coaster in the car, but let's just not hope you're especially sensitive to motion sickness, because otherwise your driver is going to experience another common roller coaster experience, cleaning up the vomit. So that'll be fun. Motorola launched a new flagship phone this week, the Moto Edge Plus, also known as the Moto Edge 30 Pro in Eastern markets. This is a true flagship with Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 processor, 6.7-inch P-OLED display, and 144Hz refresh rate. Triple cameras on the back, two of which are 50-megapixel main and ultra-wide cameras, and all the rest of the trimmings. The body has some polycarbonate elements to it, which disappoints the hell out of Cliff, and me, though probably not as much. I mean, if you're going to complain about anything in a $900 phone, let's talk about software, am I right? Anyway, one of the more interesting items to this phone is the optional stylus and folio case you can get along with it. Moto said the stylus may come separately or it may be an in-the-box bundle depending on regional deals, but still, there's a lot of interesting stuff revolving around that S Pen. I mean stylus, of course I meant stylus. You get the remote functions for things like the camera shutter and even what looked like a scribble-like feature from Apple where you can hand write into text fields. The folio has a slot in the back to hold the stylus which also allows it to wirelessly charge from the phone, but in a very Motorola move, not only do you have to manually turn on reverse wireless charging in order to charge the stylus, but having the pen in the folio also interrupts normal wireless charging. Can't win them all, I guess. Since Motorola will never send a review unit to this podcast, I won't be able to do a review on it, but it's possible digital trends might someday, so that's assuming Motorola remembers how to actually sell and market phones. Until then, this news hit is all you get. Bye bye Moto. They say no military plan survives first contact with the enemy, but what happens when your military movements are tracked by... Kugel. Well, it turns out that is what is happening over in the Ukraine. It all started when Google Maps started showing traffic jams where tanks were rolling in. It seems that Russian soldiers have Google Maps installed in their phones, and all Google knew was that for some reason a whole bunch of people were driving along at like five miles per hour on this road, so it must be a traffic jam, right? Well, yeah, it's a heavily armored traffic jam, but still. So it turns out that our surveillance society extends even into Madrasha, which is unfortunately not ironic at all, but it goes deeper. To understand this, you need to understand how high-resolution satellite imagery works, and this is an interesting thing that I did not know about. Let's say you want a super high-resolution photo of your cheating ex's house, you know, for whatever reason. So you can reach out to the satellite operators and they'll snap the photo for you and sell you the license for it. This is important because they're only selling you a license for the photo, not the photo itself. Then this vendor goes and puts your cheating ex's house photo on the market for a lesser cost. Google then can buy that image for a fraction of the original cost and slap it onto Google Maps and suddenly that high-res photo is in Google Maps as well as your privatized folder marked noob at the office. Taking that further, that means that anyone really with any access to satellite imagery databases can actually track military movements and that's kind of a problem for military units around the world. The piece on digital trends is fascinating and really worth a read, so I highly recommend you check it out down there in the show notes. 
And finally, this week some really nasty storms rolled in through London, and instead of hunkering down and taking shelter, John Dyer hopped into his van and headed down to Heathrow Airport. The winds were so nasty that airplanes coming in for a landing were definitely up for a challenge, so Dyer grabbed his camera and fired up a new episode of Big Jet TV, which is... Well, let's talk about Big Jet TV. It's very appropriately named. It's a YouTube channel dedicated to big jets and watching them take off and land. It's basically big jet porn, but in a good way. Dyer is a true airplane enthusiast, and it comes out in his videos and commentary. I took a moment to watch a few more of his videos, and they're kind of fun. Anyway, this storm rolling through London was bad enough to be named, Eunice to be exact, and some of the landings that Dyer captured are amazing, until you realize that the planes were full of terrified passengers and just, holy crap, I mean the landings are impressive feats of pilot skill, but they must have been bone-shatteringly harrowing for the passengers, I mean I get it, one way or another you're gonna land, and kudos to those pilots for their skill, but wow, I would not want to be in one of those planes. Anyway, there's a link in the show notes, so go check out the videos and fasten your seatbelts. Backend application API bugs attachment DevOps backend frameworks backward compiling orientation natural language software blue text editor bookmark web server. Welcome to Tech Yeah. This week for Tech Yeah, we've got a neat little item that both of my kids wanted for their rooms, strip lights. If you're not familiar with strip lights, those are those rolls of color-changing LEDs that you can attach to the wall with double-sided tape that light up your room. They're controlled through a controller built into the cable or by an app on your phone. Once you have them paired with the app, you can also connect them to Google Assistant or Amazon's Assistant, whose name I won't say, lest I activate yours. From there, there's a voice command away to turn them on, turn them off, change the color, change the brightness, the sky's the limit. Now before I go any further, I should mention that the strip lights I got for my daughter are Bluetooth only, but the ones I have linked in the show notes are Wi-Fi and Google Voice enabled. The lights are bright enough to easily light up an entire room, depending on the size of your room. You might need more than one strand. My daughter has a 65-foot strand in her room. My son got away with 32. Just remember to measure carefully. The lights I have are indoor lights, so they're not meant to be outside, which is fine because, you know, they're indoors. You can get a whole lot of cool effects like running lights around the room, rainbow colors, or really just about any other combination you can think of. You could even do a cool black light effect, which is a little trippy, I'll be honest. The app takes care of all of that. And speaking of which, the Govy app is a little cartoonish and laid out a little bit weird, but the possibilities you can do with the app are pretty good. You can program the lights to turn on and off on a schedule. You can program a sequence of colors. You can even set the lights to respond to the music that's playing. It's quite versatile, which I really like. Plus, Govy has shown dedication to app development, and things have improved in the year I've been using Govy stuff. Overall, I really like Govy's quality, especially for the price. Philips equivalents for all of this are a lot more expensive. Govy provides quality products and a good value. And as always, there's a link to the strip lights in the show notes, and if you pick one up, you'll be helping out the show. But for now, let's get back to it.
and welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I am your host, Adam Dowd, and joining me is Clifton Thomas. Good evening, Cliff. Good evening, sir. How are you? I am doing well, and yourself? I'm tired. <laughs> I know. I know. Me too. Man, it's... Um, I'll be honest, I had a little drinky-poo earlier tonight because I kind of forgot we were going to do this. Um, and so uh, I'm not saying I'm inebriated, but, um, you know, nice I, I'm feeling... I, I'm, I'm loose. I'm definitely loose. That's definitely the case. So we are here to talk about the Lenovo Chromebook Duet 5 13-inch uh, tablet. Now, you have the original Duet that I we do. that we reviewed, and I reviewed that and came off quite very impressed with it. And, um, you know, the first thing that I, I think really needs to be said about the Lenovo Chromebook Duet 5 is the fact that when I went to Disney, and I'm sure my audience is getting sick to death about hearing about goddamn Disney every goddamn sound week. like Grandpa Simpson in World <clears throat> War II. I swear, we're almost done. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> the when I went to Disney, the Chromebook Duet was the only computing device that I took with me. I had an iPad. And I had, you know, phones, obviously, but like as far as like desktop computing devices, that's the only one that I took with me. I could have taken a MacBook. I could have taken any number of Lenovo tablets. I could have done anything like that. Yes, I see you have an S22 Ultra. Guess what? I've got two. <laughs> anyway. <so. laughs> that looks like a magic trick. It's the same color. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, coincidentally, um, AT&T sent me one of the same color that I had ordered. Uh, anyway, so, but that is the only computing device that I took with me aside from my, you know, my phones and my tablet. And I used it quite a bit while we were on vacation because I am who I am. But uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, that's like the first thing that I wanted to express about the Chromebook Duet is that it is a pretty, you know, it, it is a solid enough device that it can be your only computer. Now, I wouldn't probably go to it full-time, but although, you know, one of these days I really should just try to do, like, a week on Chrome OS entirely uh, just to see how it goes. I've got the Samsung Galaxy S Tab 8 here. Tab 8 Plus. Galaxy S Tab 8 Plus. Yeah. God, I hate, I hate Samsung's naming schemes. Anyway, I've got that here. And I mean, I is it worse than... No. Lenovo Duet Chromebook Duet 5. <laughs> no, no, it's not, actually, now that you mentioned it. But I've got that here, and I, I, I spent about half a day working on it the other day, which was uh, which actually went remarkably well. But we're not here to talk about that, though there might be a comparison piece coming up at Digital Trends. Mm. Stay tuned. Um, we are here to talk about the Lenovo Chromebook Five. Now, uh, before we get too far into the weeds, I should probably just run down the spec sheet here real quick. We've got the Qualcomm Snapdragon SC7180 processor, and uh, it's got a 13.3-inch uh, Full HD display. It's got 4 gigabytes of memory. Talk about that in a little bit. Uh, 256 gigabytes of storage. Uh, battery life, they say, will last up to 15 hours. That seems about right based on my usage. Um, it's got some decent speakers to it. Don't get as loud enough as I would like them to be, I think. You know, especially for, like, you know, a, 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 ta a consumption 
device uh, 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 content consumption device but uh it's uh it's super thin it weighs a pound and a half so that's that's awesome it only has the two usb slots because you know because it's a laptop in 2021 uh but uh but yeah and it's got the uh you know the detachable keyboard and the back to it so it's it's a pretty uh it's a pretty decent system like it's not the most specced out spec thing in the world but it's got some uh it's got some chutzpah to it it's got an oled screen that's one thing i was impressed by and how is that screen by the way the screen is quite good. Um, I so I used it um, in addition to having it be one of my only computing devices. I also used it, you know, for you know streaming movies and whatnot. I downloaded movies to it with, you know, Netflix and the various uh, streaming services. Um, you know, because one of the nice things about a Chromebook is that they can run Android apps, so I could put basically any Android app that I wanted onto it. One of the eighty eight hundred. Uh, uh, subscription services that I subscribe right. to because cable packages are a ripoff. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, they didn't go quite so, like we planned. No, it did not. It definitely did not. So, uh, but yeah, the screen is uh, the screen is gorgeous. You get uh, very, you know very deep blacks. I think it probably doesn't get quite as bright as I would like it to. Um, the specifications say it peaks out at four hundred nits, which you know whatever and whatever the hell a knit is uh i mean like as long as you're inside you're good but you know especially like i want to say there were a couple of times like even on the plane when you know sun was kind of coming in from the side and the in the window and you know it, it was kind of washing out washing out the resolution on the screen so not, not a not a tablet you'd like to work with outdoors very much then not not probably outdoors no not so much but uh, i mean as, as long as you don't mind cranking the brightness and then you get like <laughs> you don't get 15 hours of battery life right right course. right it's all a trade-off but. that actually you mentioned that uh you'd uh, you'd consider using or you'd like to try using it for a week i think that would actually be interesting to see you try to do everything um, much like much like you kind of have your Six months of Apple, six months of, of Android. I think yeah. that might be a little long for everything that you're trying to do. But, you know, for a while there, I, back in the earlier days of Chrome OS, really wanted to try to edit a podcast. Like, just just try to do exactly what we're basically talking about yeah. in the browser. Now, yeah. I think it's probably it would be a little bit... This was before Android apps, so you might actually have some more resources there now. But um, I'm guessing it still would be... You'd be hampered compared to... Like a, uh, I would say Windows it would be, it would be a less than ideal experience. Uh, that is for sure. So now there is um, a, a Chrome extension actually for Audacity, really? um, which I thought was interesting. Uh, yeah. So like in theory, you could run Audacity in a browser. I don't think I'd ever want to try it, um, but you could. I think for for doing like something like podcast editing, if I were going to use an iPad, certainly it would be GarageBand. But if I were going to use Chrome OS, it would probably be like PowerDirector. Like PowerDirector is a video editing software, mm -hmm. but it mm -hmm. does multi-track audio. So that would probably be the closest thing that I could think of that might actually. But that's actually that's a Android app, right? So. That's an Android app, yeah. Right. But I mean, you know, one of the benefits of Chrome OS is you can run Android yeah, apps exactly. and not crappy Android apps like on Windows. Uh, so and and because um, you have a touchscreen, yeah. you can actually take advantage of the way they're supposed to be interact or supposedly should be interacted with. Now, did this come with a stylus? 
This did not come with a stylus, and as far as I know, it never will come with a stylus. I don't know. There, there is a stylus. I'm sure that you could use for it. Um, uh, I know Lenovo has um, a stylus that you can use with most of their with most of their laptops. Mm-hmm. I forget the actual name of it, but it doesn't come with a stylus, unlike the uh, the the Chromebook that you have or the Duet that you have. But it does. I mean, one of the nice things is, unlike the the Duet original one that you have, which I'm sure has an official name, but its name escapes me at the moment. But unlike the Duet there, it actually does have um, a trackpad on the keyboard, which is nice, so that you can use a mouse um, with the you know with like just like a computing desktop like a like a like a like a like an actual computer you know what i'm saying for some reason i recall that having a really really tiny trackpad maybe it did it's been a while since i've used it so but yeah i know i'm kind of curious it's been a while since i sent it to you so i I don't remember either it's a 10 inch you know it's a 10 inch form factor though so yeah you know it's kind of like using um a Surface Go or something like that. I mean, it's definitely yeah. compromised, but you know, I know this isn't what we're talking about, but yeah, the, the, I think the thing about the duet just real quickly, so we can kind of wrap that part up. But for comparison, it was about, I think when it launched, it was two ninety nine or two seventy nine, and and it yeah, it was, you could get it for two hundred bucks. So it was just every everything looking through the lens of that price, it was just uh, was was made so much better. It was just. Such a great little device for the money. I, I want to say can... it was two fifty. I want to say it was two hundred fifty, two forty nine. I think that was its retail price. Yeah, I think I think there's also different. I think capacities of it and things like that. But sure, my, sure. My understanding course. is the the Duet Five. Uh, it's like basically it's its successor and its big brother. Um, you know, it does have like an, because it has things like an AMOLED screen. It's larger, has more premium build. It's it's quite a bit has more a expensive. Has a processor too. Right. Yeah. So I think right it's now it's five hundred bucks. Like it's sitting at uh, on Lenovo's website, which is usually not the best deal right. you can find. But on Lenovo's website, it's sitting at four seventeen ninety nine. So and I and so it's marked down sixteen percent from four ninety nine. So I believe the MSRP is actually you know four ninety nine, but it is currently sitting on Lenovo's website at you know at at eighty two dollars off. So it's four seventeen ninety nine. Yeah. So well, Lenovo's which is, website which is good. Is, yeah, it is good. Well, I mean, considering yeah. everything that it's it's spec with and the fact that it is a more premium. I mean, you could you could speak to that better than me. I have handled one in person, uh, just at a Best Buy, I think, but that's about it. Um, but d- does it feel like a like a premium device to you? The screen definitely. Um, you know, and, and and you had this with the you had this with the with the original Duet, but you know the the keyboard case is you know it's plastic. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a plasticky material. So I mean, it feels. I mean, I don't want to say it feels cheap because that's definitely not what it exudes. But I would say it's definitely not as so. Okay, for example, I just submitted a review for the Bridge Pro, uh, the the Bridge Max Plus keyboard for the iPad ten point two, and the thing is 
you know, originally bridges were made out of like you know aluminium and whatnot that went with the uh, that with the that went with the iPad. This bridge is actually designed to be more durable, and it's got a different uh, attachment mechanism to it. So it's it's mostly polycarbonate. So you get a cheaper feel out of that compared to like the the aluminum that you used to get. Same thing here with the and, and I'm not saying that the original duet the, the original duet was also a polycarbonate um, yes. keyboard. So it, it's not that there's a step down in quality, but it's never it's it's not it's not amazingly beautiful um, build quality mm-hmm. like you might. Like Not you like might get from other or something like that that has the like Alcantara. from a surface or a, a, a lot of other two in ones. You know, right. you'll get that. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's plastic. It's fine. The touchpad is actually quite spacious, as you can. It is. Yeah. As you can see here, I have to hold it back by my head so that the virtual background blur doesn't uh, <laughs> blur it out. But so yeah, I mean, you can see it's actually it's actually larger than the spacebar side to side, which is quite good. And the tablet itself. You know, in accordance with uh, in accordance with most Lenovo um, tablets, it is very solid. It's aluminum all the way through. It's got that tune tone on the back, which actually the original Duet had as well. The uh, the the stand case for it um, attaches magnetically, that so is you can really nice. Yeah, so you can take that off. You can take the keyboard off and just go straight into like a. Uh, uh, it, it, like a tablet mode, if you want, and similarly, the operating system responds if the keyboard is attached or not. So you get like a different mode for keyboard being attached as opposed to keep. For the most part, when I was using the Chromebook, I was using it mostly like a laptop. So I very rarely used it in like a tablet mode, right. just because most of the time I was trying to get things done. So there were a few times that I would uh, that I would pop off the keyboard and you know use it to watch a movie during dinner or something like that, and you know for that for those applications it's fine. Uh, one thing that I was actually surprised about were was there were a couple of apps like streaming apps that didn't run particularly well on it, and huh. the one that stands out in my mind is Paramount Plus, for some reason like the Paramount Plus app. And again, that's an Android app, so it did not run particularly well on this Chromebook. And you know, it, it was basically the type of thing where you had to kind of force a restart. And sometimes it worked fine, sometimes it didn't. It was very hit or miss as to whether or not Paramount Plus was actually going to work on it. I don't recall any other streaming apps that specifically had that problem. Um, you know, Google services all ran fine, sure, because of course they did. Um, you know, Google Drive, Google Docs, you know, stuff like that. Most of my life is in Google. I think we're that's a pretty well established fact, which is why a Chromebook is very well suited to me. Yeah, you know, which is why I can pick that up. Not so much with digital trends. Because because they're Microsoft, uh, they're on the Microsoft train, but um, but uh, but when it comes to like personal stuff, especially like with the podcast and with other personal endeavors, I'm pretty much all Google all the time. Now, my so. experience with this form factor, or or with um, Chrome OS tablets that are, are like a two in one, like the Duet or uh, like uh, the Google's Pixel Slate, I think it was called, is that yeah. I, I find like it's the happiest medium. Of all of the mobile, or, or or I should say, just all the different OSs that are out there, between blending like a, a desktop experience because Chrome OS does give you a full desktop browser, yeah, and um, 
and also being able to be super productive, like in a desktop environment. Mm-hmm. Granted, mm-hmm. I don't use iPads very often, so I don't have a lot of experience with modern iPad OS. Um, but I thought, yeah. if, if I'm comparing like Windows or Chrome OS with Android apps, especially in like a two in one with a touch screen, like media consumption versus getting stuff done, I, yeah, it's definitely better for the media consumption for me than uh, Windows and not quite as good as like. Uh, Windows for, you know, the the desktop oriented stuff, but definitely better than Android, even with like the Dex experience. Yeah, but you could probably yeah. speak to that better than me. We should we should actually probably talk about Dex one of these one of these shows because I've been using right. the uh, the uh, the Samsung Galaxy Tab S8 Plus for a few days now, and I, I tweeted actually earlier today about how the Dex experience, uh, you know, I keep flipping back and forth between tablet mode and Dex mode, and neither is pretty, and neither is all that good. But I think that's, I think that's actually more on me. I think I just have learning to do about mm-hmm. when it comes to you know using Dex mode because I never use Dex on like my my desktop computer. Like you know, plug in a plug in my n- Note into a, a monitor and use it like that. I never did that. So, um, but. Um, you know that is something that I will be exploring. Of course, now that I'm right, fully right. embedded back into the Samsung ecosystem, I'm three fourths of the way into the Samsung ecosystem these days. The only it's... thing I haven't set up yet is the Watch Four, <laughs> um, but that's only because I'm doing another smartwatch well, you're review. Gonna, you're going to be neck deep in there pretty soon. <laughs> I am. It's going to be exciting. But um, so, all right. So we're coming up um, on the end of the of the duet review overall i would say like it's a really solid device like if you're looking for a chromebook there's really i mean sure there are other chromebooks that you can get this one runs pretty well it is on an arm processor it's on the snapdragon processor so keep that in mind so if you're looking for something that with a little little bit more power you might want to hang around on the intel side but like it's it bugs me like the the few hangups that i've had bug me on the on the chromebook because i have to wonder like where that problem is coming from you know because most of the time actually i would say all the time i had a bogged down issue it was while running an android app it wasn't while using chrome os so I have to wonder if there's something with the compatibility layer or if it's something with the processor. Could be the four gigabytes of RAM because four gigabytes of RAM shouldn't be on anything anymore. Uh, so like it could be any any one of those things. And so that's what's kind of that's what makes that's what makes me stop short of giving it my full ringing endorsement to like absolutely go out and buy this thing. If it were maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of like three to three hundred fifty dollars i i think that would be an easier call to make because if you're shopping in that territory if you're shopping in a three hundred dollar territory that's not going to be your primary machine right you know generally speaking like if you're shopping in that neighborhood you probably have a desktop computer at home and this is something for you to take on the go and for taking it on the go absolutely this is a great device you know i could write on this machine the keyboard is wonderful by the way and you know it's funny like how 
<laughs> like doing all these laptop reviews and doing all these other, you know, bridge keyboard reviews. I just, it's, it's, it's wonderful where keyboards have gotten to these oh, absolutely. days. They're, they are so good. Like universally, they are so good. And like, I, I'm still not a mechanical keyboard person. I probably never will be like, you know, pressing my finger down more than like three or four millimeters is not for me, but, uh, and then that's fine. Like, it's just my personal preference, but like it, keyboards these days are so lovely. Well, it, <laughs> I'm so it helps, happy about it. It helps that we've, uh, you know, we as, we as a podcast of, have been lucky enough to have quite a few different Lenovo uh, review devices who typically Indeed. more often than not are make some of the better keyboards for, uh, you know, laptops and, and sure. ones like that. So, I mean, that's kind of what I expect. Uh, yeah. More not off. I, I am with you real quickly though. And I, th I think just in general, if you're paying 500 ish dollars for any kind of, of, you know, tablet or, or um, laptop, or somewhere in between, like the Duet, it should have more than four gigabytes of RAM at this point. Yeah, uh, you know, Chrome yeah. is, is is historically even Chrome OS loves more RAM. You can definitely uh, see a difference in performance, especially if you have a lot of tabs. And so, you know, yeah. I can understand it at at the price of the original Duet, but even if it was six gigabytes of RAM, I just I feel like it would make such a difference. And I and I I know that we have supply shortages and, and, and component shortages and things like that. But yeah. It seems like such a relatively inexpensive way to throw something in there that, you know, you can't upgrade because it's soldered to the, to the, the system that yes, makes, uh, uh, that makes more of a difference for the, the investment, you know? So that's it's just, a that's huge difference, like even yeah. more than even more than hard drive space, because, you know, the cloud is everywhere these right. days and even more than processor, although that's a bit of a question mark. But yeah, RAM is just one of those things that it's like it, it can make or break an experience mm -hmm. so much. And, you know, you're, you know, four gigabytes of RAM, especially on a desktop computing machine. Is is not enough unless, of course, and you know, and you know, the caveat is always if you're going on Facebook and you're surfing the web, then it's fine, sure. Yeah. But you know, if you want to do anything even slightly more than that, like stream a video, you know, yeah. then you know, then RAM is going to start to um, have an effect. To, to so, quote, to quote Marquez Brownlee, anytime I see a machine like this that has four gigabytes of RAM, I automatically want to say, "This ain't it, Chief." <laughs> right, <laughs> but no, I mean, but but seriously. So, like, I, I I guess my caveat here is if you can get this on a deal, if you can get mm. this in like the three hundred dollar price range, three hundred fifty dollar price range, probably safe to go ahead and grab it at four four fifty five hundred. I think there's better ways that you can spend your money at that sure. price point. To be honest with you, I hate to say that, you know, and I love the original duet. Like at two hundred fifty dollars, that thing was a steal. Mm -hmm. You know, that was that was a no brainer. Like, yeah, this is what you should get. Like, oh, you want a Chromebook? This get this. Just shut up and just get this. But with this one, you know, even with the AMOLED screen, which was obviously the big upgrade, the other big upgrade was the screen size going up right. to thirteen thirteen point, point one inches. 13.3 mm -hmm. yeah so like that is uh you know obviously the screen was the big up upgrade here so i just don't think that that's necessarily enough to justify the price increase considering the other internals that are in there so sorry that's just where i am i agree with you okay
So anyway, um, that is going to do it for our full review of the Lenovo Chromebook Duet 5 13-inch. Please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you would write a review for the show. You can do that at ratethispodcast.com slash benefit. You can write to the show by visiting benefitofadow.com slash contact. I'd like to thank co-producer Cliff for coming on and talking with us about the Chromebook and for all of his hard work behind the scenes. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving us the benefit of the doubt.